You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, episode 77. You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Hustlenomics podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I am so excited to be talking with Ingrid Fernandez. She is a former corporate lawyer turned small business founder, and she now works with small business owners and startups to ensure their companies are legally compliant. So Ingrid, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. So as I mentioned before we jumped on here, I've had a lot of people requesting the topic of making sure your business is legally compliant and understanding all the ins and outs of that. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. But before we kind of jump into the nitty gritty, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, as you mentioned, I am. I started off as a corporate lawyer. So I um, have worked in the court system. I've worked with private law firms, and then I went in-house as well. Um, I had a lot of experience in uh, commercial law, so working with small businesses, working on contracts and documents, um, negotiating high-level contracts when I worked in-house with um, pharmaceutical companies and so on. Uh, so contract law is really what I enjoy. It's what I like. I love to play with words. I love to argue over words. So that's that's kind of my background. And then um, about three years ago, I was expecting my first child and so decided to take a bit of a step away from work. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to go back to because the, the roles that I'd been in previously weren't very friendly for flexible working or weren't very open to part-time work or anything like that. So not to say that that's not available in the legal profession, but just from my experience, it's it's really hard to come by. So after I had my second child, I thought, well, I had been um, freelancing for a while and working with small businesses and there was very much, I was finding a need for small businesses who were run by parents who were really new to business and they might have a skill, let's say social media marketing or something like that. And they're really good at that. And and they know all the social media technical stuff, but they don't know any of the legal stuff. And I was really able to help them get started and help them get their websites going with all the legal documents they needed. So I just, it, it all kind of fell together really well. And yeah, so I've been running my business for coming up to a year soon and I'm really enjoying it. I've got, I've got amazing clients and we really get where the other's coming from because we're all of a, in a similar situation, which I, which I really enjoy. Yeah, that's awesome and super exciting. So had you ever thought of being an entrepreneur and starting your own business before? Or was, you know, the catalyst kind of, you know, having your kids and wanting to have a different kind of flexibility? To be honest, I had never really considered myself very entrepreneurial. It's, uh, I'm, my husband has been always the more entrepreneurial person in the relationship. So it was quite funny that I was the one who started the business because I had just never seen myself doing that. I had always seen myself in more secure roles and being employed and living in that, I guess, a little bit more predictable um, work existence, which I really, you know, I have a lot of respect for and I see a lot of value in. So 
it was more the circumstances at the time that really called for me to try something different and just take a step away from what I knew, really push myself out of my comfort zone because it's just so easy to do what you know. And so I thought, well, this was kind of a time where I didn't have an employer who was waiting on me to come back. So I could take that opportunity to just try something different. So it's definitely not been something that's always been in the blood. It's, it's quite a new, a newfound love, I think. I'm curious, what were some of the reactions from, you know, friends, family, coworkers, when you said, all right, I'm not going back to the corporate world, I'm going to go out on my own? It's been, to be honest, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think I prepared myself for a lot more criticism and a lot more negativity than I received. I'm very lucky in that my family has and continue to be incredibly supportive. And I think more so than I anticipated. My my family just, they really, I guess they can see the value in what I want to do and they they see how much joy it really brings me. So they've been incredibly supportive. I think it's more when I talk to um, people who I used to work with or people who are still lawyers and they can't really understand uh, why I would want to do that because it, it it's difficult in that you know as as all of us small business owners will know everything falls on us you know we don't have the support of a firm or a regular paycheck or knowing where the next clients are coming from so it's very challenging it can be very stressful and so combining that with new motherhood and I think a lot of people were a bit more surprised and not negative in any way but just yeah I think surprise was the most common reaction from a lot of my past workmates and and colleagues. But overall, to be honest, it's been really positive. Yeah. That's good. That's always nice to hear when people have good experiences and have a good support system, because that's almost one of the hardest things to find these days if you don't have it. So that's always good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big part of it is finding like-minded people. And that's something I did before I started my business. I made sure that I was spending time with other small business owners, talking to other small business owners and really building that, not tribe so much, but building that community and really having outside of my family, having that support network so that when I took that leap, it wasn't, it, you know, the people around me, it wasn't foreign to them. This was something that they did and they knew and they were supportive of. So yeah, like you say, that makes such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that you did that before you kind of made the leap. I'm sure that made such a huge difference in how everything went and how you're able to handle everything emotionally. So the legalities of starting a business, I feel like can be one of the most intimidating things if you have, if you don't have a background in it when you're starting your business. I did most of it on my own, which I probably regret doing now. And I wish I had reached out for help. But do you have practical first steps for people to get legally compliant when they're starting their small business? Absolutely. I, and I completely understand it is, it is completely overwhelming. It can seem quite daunting. And I guess traditionally the options for us to get legal advice seem like they're big firms that can be very expensive and they don't necessarily seem reachable to people who are starting up and, and hustling on the side. So I can completely understand why it's, why it's overwhelming. Um, the thing is, and this is why I try and talk to people about getting legal advice before they, you know, start or when they're starting their business before before they kick things off, because the repercussions if something go wrong are just so detrimental. And often you can't see that when you're going in. You think, well, I'm just starting something. I'll just jump right into it, and we'll see how we go. And you know, you make do with what you got, which I 
which I totally understand and respect. But when you're dealing, and it of course depends on what your good or your service is that you provide in your business, but when you're dealing with another business or you're dealing with clients and you don't have the right documents in place or the right terms and conditions or or whatever it may be, you're, you're really leaving yourself vulnerable. And so I think as a starting point, because it's just so much to get your head around, really talking to an expert, a, a small business law expert or a startup law expert who can just tell you what the basics are, you know, what your basic website documents are that you just need to get started. Or if you're looking at expanding and employing some people, what's the basic employment contracts you need to have in place before you get started. So as much as it is an expense, and I and I know that it can seem, you know, a lot to take on when you're first starting a business, there's just, there's so much to consider that it's really good to start on the right foot. So I think speaking to an expert is just, it's in, it's such a benefit because once you do it, it really gives you an insight into what you need to do going forward. Right. And I'm not sure, you know, if you've come across anything like this, but I feel like there's some things that everybody kind of forgets to do sometimes, but they end up being really necessary. For example, like I had a friend who was a photographer who had a pretty unique business name. And then all of a sudden somebody in her same town or or same market popped up, started a business with that same name, you know, and I was like, how did that happen? Um, But she forgot she didn't trademark anything or so is there anything that you've noticed that people just, it kind of just goes over the head and they completely forget to do it, but it's necessary. Definitely. Well, like you mentioned, trademarking and intellectual property protection is probably the biggest one. And part of it is because when you are starting a business, no one knows how well it's going to go. So throwing a lot of money into intellectual property protection might seem, you know, that you're just throwing money down the drain because you don't know how things will go. You don't know if you're going to stick with that name or that brand or whatever it may be. But that's definitely something to consider. Maybe once you've been running a business for about six months and you think, yes, this this business has legs and this is a brand that I can see building on and you have that client base, um, that's definitely something to think about, trademarking and protecting your brand. Another one I would say is around data protection. So I'm based over in the UK at the moment and over the past year we've had massive changes around data protection laws and making sure that we're really transparent with how we deal with other people's um, information and making sure that we're following the right rules and regulations. So I think having a privacy policy on your website and making sure that it's really tailored to your business because you it really is a way of building a relationship with your client that people don't often think about. You know, being open about what you're doing with their name and their email address and their residential address and their phone number, letting them know who has access to it, letting them know how you might process it. It's really, it's just another opportunity for you to be really upfront and say, look, this is how I work. I want to be open and transparent with you. And I'd I'd really like to do business. So while some people might see it as daunting to have to get all this information in place, it's really just another opportunity to to be open and upfront with clients. So that's another one that people don't often think about. Yeah, I love that perspective of being transparent and open instead of looking at it. It's like, oh gosh, how, why do I have to do this? But yeah, that's awesome. And I think another thing that is necessary that you have to do that people don't necessarily understand is the difference between like 
what an LLC is, an S corp, a C corp, you know, what is, what are all these words and letters and what do they mean? I'm sure you could go really in depth and talk about this for hours, but do you have just like a basic one or two sentence or three sentences to kind of explain what those different things are and the differences between them? I think, uh, well, I do over in the UK, I think our business structures might be a little bit different to yours in the US, unfortunately. What I would say just going in, and this is something if you're not ready to speak to a lawyer, this is something that you can really inform yourself about as an individual, is really just try and get your head around some of the different business structures. So running as a sole trader, setting up as a limited company with yourself as the only director, um, setting up in a partnership, there are a lot of different options up there. And, you know, Although ideally, and of course, as a lawyer, I'm going to say that ideally you'd speak to a lawyer before you do this or speak to your accountant or your your tax person and get their advice on the best and most effective way to set up what you want to do. It's also a good chance as a business owner to really sit down and map, okay, what am I trying to create? And is this me just running things on my own as a side hustle? Or am I looking at really expanding, you know, getting funding, having shareholders, things like that. So it's a really good opportunity at the beginning to to map out where you want to take your business and then if you are if you do have the capacity to speak to a lawyer about these you know these options or or what your preference is they can really give you guidance on the best legal vehicle to do that in so so whether that's setting up a company or or running it yourself so as a starting point, I'd say really think about how how you want your business to look and how you want it to grow over the next, you know, two years, five years, 10 years. And that can help you inform what the best way to set it up is. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And you mentioned contracts earlier. And like, this is the craziest thing to me. I've had contracts since like day one. And I, for some reason, knew that they were important. But I assumed everybody else knew they were important too, but I've talked to like so many businesses, some like actually pretty big that are not using contracts with their clients. And my jaw like hit the ground. I'm like, how in the world do you sleep at night? But do you mind just kind of explaining why they're so important and how you can go about doing one? If you should do a template, get it drawn up, you know, from scratch, what's your kind of view on that? Definitely. I, and like you, I come across a lot of people who haven't either had the time, the capacity or the finances to put contracts in place. So I can understand how it happens. It's, you know, you start your business and you just want to dive in and you don't worry about putting everything in writing. And I can understand that a lot of people do it. And it's not necessarily, you know, it's not like it's wrong or it's bad. But what it does is it really, again, it opens you up and leaves you quite vulnerable if anything were to go wrong. So just as an example, um, if you have an agreement with your client, and it's all written down, they sign it before you get started, even, you know, you can do it all electronically now, get it electronically signed. And at least when things, let's say 12 months later, something happens in the relationship and there might be a communication breakdown or there might be a change in circumstances. When you both have that agreement or contract to look back on, you're both a little bit more clear on how to move forward and what your roles and responsibilities are. However, when you don't have an agreement or a contract, I can almost guarantee that two people never remember a conversation the same way. So you will take a certain vibe from the conversation that you had your client will take a different vibe from that initial conversation you had and neither of you will remember it the same way and then when 12 months later things go wrong there is no I guess objective or independent document or record of what you agreed in the first place so 
it really just opens opens both parties up um, to vulnerability and to to things escalating because when money's involved, things can things can escalate very quickly. So it's just something that. I guess I, I, when I talk to my clients about having contracts in place, think of it as insurance for yourself. You're just trying to protect yourself and your business the best way you can. And contracts, they don't have to be um, in, legal, in legal ease, as we call it, or in legal wording. They don't have to be really technical. A lot of people that I know, they start with templates that they find online and they, you know, they try, try and tweak them to suit their business. But again, this is something that small business lawyers or legal consultants like I do, we can really sit down with you and help you work out what you're trying to achieve in that contract. So if it's with a client what rights do you want to hold on to? What rights do you want to give them? And what are the responsibilities of both parties so that for each relationship that you create, both of you know where you stand. And it really, I found with a lot of my clients, once they have that contract in place, they feel a lot more confident and comfortable because they're, I guess, they're working within an environment they know, you know, they know what's expected of them. They know how and when they're going to provide their services. They know how and when they're going to get paid. And if they don't get paid, what some of, you know, what they can do about that. So it really gives you a lot of certainty in your business. And that can give you a boost of confidence as well, because you know that you've protected yourself the best way you can. Yeah, I agree 100%. And especially if you're working in a field where it's high emotion, like wedding photography or something like this, where it's like, you know, it's very personal stuff that you're working with. It's almost just like doing it without a contract, you're almost setting yourself up for failure at some point. So yeah, I think that's great. And I use things like the contract shop and stuff like that, where they have great templates. And, you know, um, I'm sure there's plenty of other things out there. But yeah, I think that's great advice. Definitely something important to remember. So I'd love to kind of change gears and talk about what it's been like for you starting and owning your own business. So coming from the corporate world, what has been some of the biggest changes for you? Wow. Well, it's all, it's nothing other than I guess some of the, the work itself, nothing else about it is the same like my old life. It's, um, because I also work quite flexibly around my two young children. So I don't go into a workplace. I don't really meet with clients face-to-face. All my clients um, I do online calls with or we communicate by email. Um, we do video conference calls and things like that. So we don't really do face-to-face meetings, which is very different from my old life. And it's just, to be honest, one of the I think one of the best things is the flexibility it's given me in relation to the rest of my life because after having children and not that children are the only thing that can change people's perspectives but after having children I found that as much as I'm still very ambitious and I'm still very committed to my career I just wanted to work in a slightly different way and it wasn't to work less it wasn't that my work was less important it was just that I now had you know two babies under three and I needed to be there for them and I still want to work in my business and I still have a house to run. So it was really about juggling the competing priorities. And I guess it really makes you let go of all the things that don't matter enough anymore. So you only do the really important things that, you know, the really urgent stuff is what gets done and what gets your attention. So it's made me a lot more focused. I'm far more efficient than I used to be because often, you know, 
with the young children, once they go down for a nap, you've only got that small window of time to get things done. So I'm very good at powering through things and, and not getting distracted. So it's a, it's a completely different lifestyle, but I just can't. And, and again, not to say that it's not possible to find it, but I can't imagine working the way I do back in the corporate environment when I've got these two really little children. I'm, I'm sure it'll be different once they're older, but at the moment I'm really able to be there for them in a way that they need and that, you know, works for our family, but I'm also able to be there for my clients and, and be present for them and engage with them. And, and so I love it. I, I love being able to find that balance. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, when you're working in like an office in the corporate world, it's kind of a built-in structure that you have and you don't really have to think too much about like other than your personal organization, you know, what that structure is going to look like. But everything changes, right, when you're not in that environment anymore. So did you have to kind of like reteach yourself or revamp the way that you structure your day and go about organizing everything? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I didn't realize how much I relied on that structure until I didn't have it anymore because I had to really be my own taskmaster and I had to set my own deadlines and I had to really be accountable for for everything within my business, which I never had to do before. And for me, I guess one of the biggest learning curves was being responsible for everything. So I was the marketing person. I was also the invoice person. I was also the person doing the technical legal work. I was also the person doing speaking events. And so I'd, again, never been in that situation where everything in my business was was on me. And at first, that was really overwhelming because I just didn't know what to do first. I would sit down and there would be, you know, emails to read, calls to return, and then there would be um, blog posts to write and social media posts and all the things to do. And I would sit there going, well, who's going to tell me what to do first? There's usually, you know, someone telling you, oh, this client needs this urgently or this is what our priority is today. So I really had to teach myself how to focus on what matters and, you know, give my attention to what's going to really move my business forward every day. If I only have in the daytime, maybe I only have three or four hours before I do some extra work in the night. And so what can I do in that three to four hours that's really going to make a difference for this week for my business rather than just sitting there and playing with graphics, which <laughs> which I did for the first couple of weeks. I spent far too long playing with Canva and, and making up social media posts. So I think it's really it's given me a lot more um, discipline around my work and it's given me, I guess, the ability to really get to the heart of the matter and work out, okay, what needs to be done immediately? What can wait two or three days? What, you know, what can I pump out in the next two hours that's really going to move me forward and things like that? So it has been a steep learning curve, but I think it's made me a much better worker than I was before. Yeah, you definitely learn like your skills at prioritizing things get <laughs> really solid. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you mentioned kind of wearing all the different hats as a business owner, having to do all the things. Have you outsourced anything to kind of you know, give it to somebody else who's an expert in that field? I haven't yet, but that's on that's very excitingly on my horizon for this year. So I'll be looking at getting a VA quite soon because there is just in relation to um, the social media side and the admin side of my business, there's just more than I can really cope with capacity-wise at the moment. The one thing I did do quite early on is I got a lot of coaching assistance and that I think made the difference because up until that point, 
I'd really just been dabbling a bit, you know, not putting myself out there too much and in case things didn't work out, not making myself too vulnerable. But once I started working with some coaches and they were able to really help me, I guess, take those those steps forward that moved my business from a side hustle into, you know, a viable business that that would, you know, help fund my lifestyle. So coaching was a big one for me, not, you know, not exactly delegating, but getting that guidance and getting that insight from people who are objective, I found really made a difference. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I've talked to a lot of coaches. I've talked to a lot of people who work with coaches. And I'm always kind of curious about that experience. Like, what were some of the things that they helped you do? Was it a shift in mindset? Or was it different exercises to kind of push you forward in the direction that you needed to go? Yeah, I've got this excellent coach who I still work with and her name is Ray Dodd. She's excellent at really helping you see your mindset for some, I guess, see where you're limiting yourself and see where you might have beliefs or you might have thoughts about yourself that are really holding you back. So I've been working with her for a bit over a year now and she's really helped me to identify, you know, in my business where I was scared of being visible because I was so frightened of what people would think and I was so aware of criticism she really helped me unpick that and work out that you know I I just was looking at the worst case scenario I guess and which we all do but really thinking that everyone's looking at me in order to criticize whereas the people who are looking at me and not that everyone's looking at their own things because we're all so busy but we're also all just trying to you know, to get our work done and we're all just trying to get out there. No one, well, there are people obviously who are out there to criticise, but the more important thing is just putting yourself out there and and starting those conversations and building that community. So I think visibility mindset was a big one. Um, Money mindset was one that I work on every day. I think that's something that a lot of us have issues around and a lot of us are constrained by what we believe about money and And even, you know, for women especially, I think we're taught um, to see money in a certain way and to see our ability to make money in a certain way. So a lot of these things, I just didn't, you know, I guess 18 months ago, I didn't even realize that I had these, these ideas and thoughts in my head that were blocking me from moving forward. So working with coaches has really dramatically helped me to recognize those and just to take steps that are more positive and that empower me and make me feel like I do, you know, I have my zone of genius that I work in and that I have the support of the community around me. And it's just about taking those incremental steps to, to keep going, to keep moving forward. Yeah, that sounds great. And also positive. And you've got a lot on your plate, a new business, your mom, and you know, you're doing all of this stuff. What do you do to kind of implement self-care into your life and find ways that you can unwind and relaxed and get out of work mode. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, that's something, again, that it's only in the last few months I've really become aware of how important self-care is for me. And I think a lot of us will be seeing on social media at the moment that push for self-care. It's not necessarily about, and it can be, but it's not necessarily about the spa days or, you know, the luxury lunches or anything like that. Sometimes for me, it's as little as getting away from as much as I adore my husband and children, getting away from all their noise, just finding a really quiet place where I can listen to, you know, the podcasts that I listen to, or I can listen to eBooks or whatever it might be. Just listen to something where I can really zone out. 
Um, I like to do a lot of writing and blogging as well. So for me, it's finding pockets of silence, which with a small business and, and a young family can be very challenging. So that feels very caring for me when I'm able to do it. But it, it doesn't come easily at all. And I think I think we've, again, been taught that self-care is indulgent and that it's an, it's an added bonus and it's only for people who can afford the luxury. And I, I don't think that's right at all. I think self-care is really about taking care of your mental health, your physical health. So you can be there as, you know, as a great business owner, as a wife, as a mother, as a friend, all the things that we are and all the hats we wear, we have to start from a full cup. And so I think self-care is, is so important. It just, it needs to go hand in hand with everything else we do to take care of ourselves. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. So is there anything coming up in the future, any big projects or goals or anything like that that you're super excited about? Well, we do. I've got a few. So this year should be quite exciting. I'm launching an e-course, which will be for small business owners and will really just give them um, a starting point, I guess, is where I want to call it. So they're, they're looking to start a business or they're in their first six months of starting a business and they just want to get their heads around the legal side of things. So like we talked about, um, contracts and agreements, website documents like terms and conditions, privacy policies, things like that. And then looking at intellectual property rights, what they need to do in terms of getting trademark protection and things like that. So a really, a really starter kit is is what I'm thinking of and what what we've planned. So I'm really excited to launch that because I just want people to feel I think one of the best feelings for me as a as a legal consultant is when I can help someone do something or help them get some documents sorted and it makes them feel like oh great I can t- tick that off my list and I feel better and I feel better able to move forward in my business because I know I'm legally compliant and I know I'm dealing well with my clients or suppliers or whoever it may be and it's giving people that feeling of empowerment that I really love so having something like an e-course which will be you know accessible to anyone who essentially has an internet connection and being able to empower them with that information in their own business really lights me up and that makes me very excited so and around that I just want to travel more I think this year traveling is a very big part of my life so I'll I've got a few different trips on the horizon throughout the year so I'm really excited for that too very cool. I would absolutely love to know when that e-course is coming out because I think that sounds like an amazing resource and I absolutely would love to share that with my listeners. But yeah, other than the great stuff that you're going to be coming out, do you have any other resources like books or other podcasts or courses, anything like that that's been helpful to you either in your personal life or business life that you would recommend? Definitely. Well, in terms of books, I think one of my favorite go-to books is called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And I found that that has really helped me, I guess, take a step back from myself and see how I've played a certain way in my life and how I have approached different challenges and different opportunities. I have not, I don't think after reading this book and seeing myself a little bit more objectively, I've not really taken a lot of the opportunities that have been put in front of me because, you know, I was worried again, what people would think, or I was worried that, you know, that's, that's not how how you're supposed to be a wife or a mother you're not you know you're not supposed to want those things anymore and your ambition is supposed to change and all these limiting thoughts that I used to have so playing big has really helped me flesh out what I want to do and what I want to be and and how I can how I can create that so that's 
that's a book I love. Oh my gosh, in terms of podcasts, there are too many. I've got <laughs> I've got so many excellent ones that that I turn to. So there's one um, called Dreaming and Doing by Nikki Raby, and she talks to business owners from all walks of life and and different backgrounds and just really gets inside what they're passionate about and what got them started and and it's really honest you know it's not painting a rosy picture of of having a small business it's very open about the challenges and and the difficulties so that's the great one I like there's another one called hashtag authentic by Sarah Tasker and that's for anyone who has a business that I guess may be a bit more creative, she she has a beautiful Instagram account called Me and Orla, and it's just she's she's an Instagram wizard. And on her podcast, she again talks a lot to a lot of small business owners who have creative businesses and just about you know putting yourself out there in the world, uh, warts and all, you know, going on this business journey as we are, rather than as people say it should look or, or how it should be. So they're some of the ones that I can always go to and, and find something useful. That's awesome. I'll absolutely link to those in the show notes. And I know everyone's going to want to check you out and you know follow all the amazing things that you're doing. So can you tell the listeners where to find you? Absolutely. So my business is called Deck and Dash. Uh, so we're currently building the website at the moment, which will be deckanddash.com. Um, I've got an Instagram account, which is Deck and Dash and a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash deck and dash. So you can find us all over the place. And yeah, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me, and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.